everyone, and welcome to Odd Trilogies with Logan and Andy. I'm Logan Sowash. And I'm Andy Carr. And on Odd Trilogies, we tackle a trio of films, whether tied by numerical order, cast and crew, thematic elements, and we go through each film and discuss the good, the bad, and the weird surrounding them. <sighs> Another, every fucking time. <laughs> when we don't have a cold open that's 20 minutes long, my my mouth decides to yawn. Yeah. <laughs> After the it's that winter fatigue. It really is. It started actually... I love sweater weather, but yeah. it is kind of weird. That transition is really odd. Yeah, always makes you a little yeah. more sleepy. Yeah, and speaking of the transition, it's Halloween time. Yes. Happy Halloween to everybody out there. Happy uh, Spooktober to ha- those who ha- celebrate. Happy Spooktober, yes. And to honor Spooktober, because in the last, you know, so many years we've done this, what, 87, 25 yeah. years? Yeah. We've done this, you know, and always live, of course, we always <laughs> record live. But, you know, we've always tried to have a horror trilogy just in time for October or maybe late November or early November. And this time we thought, especially after our last trilogy that was basically very heady, three plus hour films at some point. Right. We thought, at least in my opinion, doing something very cut and dry, straightforward, easy to analyze. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the VHS trilogy, which is, in case you don't know, 2012's VHS. 2013's VHS 2 and 2014's VHS Viral because three is an uncool number apparently. Yep. Because it's I guess. Uh, well, I, you know, it's good to capitalize on popular words. Like oh my god! Bo- oh, I love it. It's yeah, that's gonna be a fun one to rip a, rip <laughs> shreds because. Ah, uh, the thing about VHS, in case you do not know, yeah, and also if you type in VHS and it doesn't come up initially. I will also say it is V A V backslash H backslash. Or is it's it just French? a regular slash. It's just a slash. Yeah, it's just regular slash. slash. So it's V slash H slash S. Because if you look up just VHS in Google, it's so fucking <laughs> difficult just to find these films. Yeah. Gosh, the amount of time I had to just jump through hoops for Peacock just yeah. to get VHS two to show up. Right. Right. Was astounding, as if in their algorithm, VHS is just not an option. Yeah. But yeah, so we're tackling three films that are just three anthology horror films that are pretty much... The first two films are basically people go into an abandoned house, they find a room filled with a bunch of, you know, old CRT TVs, they find a bunch of VHSs, and they watch it, and it's shorts. Yeah. The third one is a shittier version of that, which we'll get to. Yeah. <laughs> it's ba- yeah, basically a a franchise of anthology films, so it's really just like s- several collections of short films yes. basically. Yes. Um and the franchise is what six movies strong now? Yes. Yeah, so Eight I... if you count the spin-off <sighs> things. Oh god. Yeah, um, I mean yeah, as of right now, there are technically two trilogies. So yeah. if we ever really wanted to dive we back could. into, we could. Yes. Basically, seven years after VHS Viral, uh, Shudder decided to reboot the series with uh, one of the mainstays, writer-director Simon Barrett, I think at the helm for most of mm-hmm. them in some way, shape, or form. And so now they have, I believe it's like VHS it's, 94, VHS 99, and VHS 85. Yeah. And I have not seen any of those. I do I haven't watch either. them at some point. I've heard from some people that, like, they're, like, actually kind of fun and, yeah, and yeah. maybe more fun than the originals. Yeah, I'm not they sure. seem way more self-aware. Yeah. Especially, 
Well, I mean, they're still not like super well received, but no, like but, I mean, maybe it's... there's a little more experimentation going on. Oh, well, that's know. just the pool of horror. Yeah, you, you can't. Yeah. I mean, especially with those films, because again, what's funny too is to think that when VHS comes out in 2012, like at that point, I think when most people think of horror anthologies, most people either think of classic one is the 80s creep show with yeah. George Romero and Stephen King involved. There's also Tales from the Crypt, yeah, which was the HBO series in the 90s, I think late 80s, early 90s. There's also <sighs> Tales from the Dark Side, which is another 80s film I think was turned into a show at some point. There's the Twilight Zone movie. There's the Twilight Zone movie, which is scarier in more ways than one. <laughs> scarier uh, behind the scenes yes, than that on is, screen. Yeah, yes, yeah. indeed. Um, there's, I think there's a series of films called like the Trilogy of Terror, like one, two, and oh. three. Where I've it has like those. those are like low budget as shit. Sounds pretty odd, Logan. It is pretty odd. I'll have to look and see if they're X three or not. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said it was a trilogy. I hope it's leading me down a false path. I don't know, it depends. Depends on how good they are. Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe I'll feel good or bad about that. <laughs> but yeah, a horror anthology is not a bad idea. It's it's pretty no. well received overall, especially if you have talent behind the camera. And surprisingly enough, Despite how the first film has aged, yeah. it has an incredible amount of talent behind the camera, as well as in front of it. It's kind of wild to think of, like, when I was watching the first film, God, fucking yawn again. <laughs> yeah. Um, not only is pretty much everybody behind the camera in VHS now have bigger projects that they're focusing on, mm-hmm. I think the biggest one, I mean... Might as well go through the first film. The first film has five anthology shorts. They're called uh, Amateur Night, Second Honeymoon, mm-hmm. uh, the third one. I'm trying to uh, it. Um, Tuesday the 17th. Tuesday the 17th. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, the Strange Thing That Happened to Emily. And the last one is 103198. Yeah. Uh, Amateur Night is directed by David Bruckner, who is mainly known for most recently did The Night House from last year which oh, is yeah. i think is a solid seven yeah. seven and a half out of ten really liked a lot of evidence of that film as well as hulu's uh hellraiser reboot right he directed that as well second honeymoon is directed by ty west <laughs> right in my opinion the shittiest short is directed by the man that made pretty much some really good bangers with x yes house of the devil and of course pearl kind of surprising how <laughs> yes. mundane his yes. short is in this the most boring of the five shorts yeah. <laughs> uh the third tuesday the 17th is done by i believe is the director of i sell the dead and i believe was a writer and producer it's, for uh, stakeland glenn mcquaid um oh is it glenn mcquaid yes yeah He's... glenn mcquaid did tuesday the 17th Gosh, and I... He did, yeah, I Sell the Dead and The Last Winter. Oh, performed visual effects on The Last Winter. Okay. I've heard the name Glenn McQuaid before, so it's, I, I think I have he's, seen... Yeah, I mean, in terms of, like, just credits, he's kind of, like, the least mm-hmm. uh, notable, if that's the right word, yeah. of, of these filmmakers mm-hmm. in the first one. And then we have an interesting one in the fourth one, which is uh, directed by Joe Swanberg, who is... In Second Honeymoon, he's the yeah. he is the fiance slash he's the the husband, right? In that he's also in Year Next, which is yeah. directed by Adam Wingard and written by Simon Barrett, who also direct and write the overarching narrative of mm-hmm. VHS, I believe, called Tape Fifty Three. 
Okay. And uh, Swanberg is mainly known for, I think his credits, well, now I think behind the camera, I think he's mainly done a lot of TV. Yeah, I mean, he's done a lot of stuff. It's not necessarily all the most, you know, big name stuff. No, but, but like he's done a lot of work. But what's also fascinating is that his directorial debut was also Greta Gerwig's directorial debut. <laughs> they were co-directors on their first film. Oh. Which is interesting to find out when I, like after Barbie came out, I think I was double checking, like, have I seen all of Gerwig's stuff? And then I saw that and I was like, she directed a film with Joe Swanberg? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last one. Uh, 103198 is done by four different guys. The names escape me, but they were known as a collective uh, called Radio Silence. Yeah. Who was mainly known for three of the four men did Ready or Not mm-hmm. under Radio Silence. And then half of the team <laughs> went off to go do uh, two little films you might have heard of in the last few years uh, Scream 5 and Scream 6. Yeah. So for it. For they it, also did, um, bef- even before. Uh, or no, after VHS, they did Southbound, which was that yes, other yes. horror anthology. Which has been on my list for a bit. I've, I've never seen to it. Watch. Yeah. I've always seen the poster anytime someone brings up horror stuff. Yeah. But yeah, so you have a directing team and you have a writing team that has now gotten more production, more kind of credits under their belts and have either stayed in the horror space or have now expanded into something else. Because, again, another thing I also just thought about is the overarching narrative, of course, done by Adam Wingard. You may also know him as the man that did Blair Witch reboot. Yeah. You're next. Uh, he also did Netflix's Death, Death Note. Note. And uh, then he did... Godzilla uh, vs. Kong. Yeah. And he's slated to do the next Godzilla Go- Kong Godzilla movie, and Kong. Yeah. Yes. Well, lovely change of title. Yeah. I can't wait to see what that looks like. But again, yeah. So the fact that you watch VHS, and you're probably wondering, like, where the fuck have these guys done after this? Because what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah, Cause the, yeah, it's almost kind of like uh, like watching an old like Second City or yeah. SNL, but for horror directors. And, with, and you're like, yeah. oh, all these names that I kind of recognize yeah. now. And I bet they're a, a, I bet all of them have a little bit of a tinge of uh, that's on that's on my filmography. <laughs> <laughs> Not my best work. I, I've certainly gotten better. Don't yeah. discredit me for that. But yeah, the first VHS is now 11, 11 years old. Mm-hmm. It absolutely shows. Um, the big thing about the first VHS, stylistically, kind of give you an idea of how it feels. The first VHS feels like a film that is made by, like, hilariously enough, a collective, because the collective helps produce and distribute this film. Mm-hmm. A collective of people that basically seem like a bunch of starving artists in L.A. that just know each other and like, hey, why don't we just make a film together? Yeah. Because basically, even from, if you go in front of the camera, there are even some people that have also went on to do either other VHS shorts, you know, the Shutter series, mm-hmm. or have gone on to do horror, or, you know, acted in other things that are horror-related or have gone on to do more in the space. I mean, this, I had, I've seen the first VHS, I think, I think now four times, mm-hmm. uh, and I this I one? didn't yeah, this one yes uh-huh. I've seen about four times because I remember loving it when I first saw it. Yeah. The first VHS I think blew up, especially in the horror space, because of its accessibility to streaming. Because I'm yeah. pretty sure I saw the first film when Netflix streaming was right. at its infancy and like kind of getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. Um, and in Second Honeymoon, uh, do you know? Uh, the the wife of that bit. Do you know who that is? 
No. That is Sophia Tacall. Do you know who Sophia Tacall is? Nope. That's funny because you actually do. She is the <laughs> writer. Sure she's the writer director of 2019's Black Christmas. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I had no idea that that woman <laughs> had gone on yeah. to do that film. And it's funny just to go back and watch it and be like, so that is a face to a name I don't think I've <laughs> actually had this whole time. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's again this is VHS one, two, and even three. Well, viral because right. three's so lame. But <laughs> even viral, it's basically you see names that ultimately, even if their shorts are shit, yeah, ultimately have done much more interesting or better stuff. Yeah, which is great because it shows that even if you watch these shorts and you're like, ugh, not for me. <laughs> They usually, thankfully, it didn't ruin their careers and it didn't stop them from wanting to yeah. keep doing stuff. Because in all honesty, the first VHS did, I think, decently enough with audiences. Critically, no. No. Most but... It's pretty mixed critically. I think both the first two films, even though I would argue the second film is much better and it was much more critically received, it still was pretty iffy if you look on Metacritic. Yeah. But... I mean, yeah, the first one still made like $2 million off like a $200,000 budget. Yeah, so it's like, I think if you broke it down with each short, including the overarching plot, I think each film had roughly, if they all had the same amount, which would surprise me if they didn't, because some have less to do than others. You know, it's about 40000 a, a short, mm. which when you put that in perspective, it is kind of shocking to see how much 40000 gets you through like Amateur Night or 103198, mm -hmm. but also if that applies that math applies how much it gets you through second honeymoon <laughs> yeah it's like how where was the money spent yeah, on that how one? do you spend ten thousand on this yeah film? <laughs> you could have made that movie for a ham sandwich and a tank yeah. of gas but yeah uh with vhs the main premise is a bunch of douchebags that uh love harassing women throwing racial slurs randomly and also just love being rambunctious douchebags and i assume a small town and has very small town <laughs> energy are basically hired to go take a random videotape from a guy's house. So they break into this guy's house, find the guy dead, mm -hmm. and then ultimately realize that there are, like, multiple VHS tapes. So they like go many, like yeah. a ton. Like, yeah. And so they go, fuck it. Uh, the guy says, we'll know which tape it is when we see it, so I guess we got to watch these tapes. And that is the device that leads into these shorts, yeah. which includes... Again, Amateur Night, which is basically about a bunch of bros wanting to film, basically want to film their own porno <laughs> and ultimately get uh, a monster instead of a, a drunk woman. Yeah. Uh, you have Second Honeymoon, which is basically a cross-country road trip with some honeymooners, and there's some weird stuff happening while they're on a honeymoon. Yeah, they're, uh, like, getting stalked or something. Yes. Uh, the third, Tuesday the 17th, is, of course, a found footage Friday the 13th homage that has a little twist on the narrative of a slasher. Um, the Strange Thing That Happened to Emily um, is a mainly Skype yeah. uh, laptop camera film about a woman slowly losing her mind. <laughs> yeah, so it's like framed through her on this video call with her boyfriend who yes. is they're like a long distance relationship mm -hmm. and he's, all this shit's happening to like her and he's, he's like trying to keep up with what's going on he's like becoming a doctor and she like is a military kid like it's almost implied that they met yeah. on a military base yeah 
And then the last short is 103198, which is just a bunch of bros, bunch of boys, guys Looking being guys. Looking for a Halloween party. Going to a Halloween party and finding out it is not a Halloween party. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. I mean, besides the overarching narrative, like, overall, like, I think with all the shorts quality in mind, I think the first VHS is meh to okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. It's okay. There's some. There's it, definitely some duds in here. Yes. Um, uh, what What are the duds to you besides Second Honeymoon? Uh, um, also yeah, Second Honeymoon is just really. It's just boring. Um, yeah. Like there's just not a lot to it. Um, and and the framing device to tape fifty six. Like the the frame narrative is pretty mm-hmm. nothing. It's not scary. Yeah. It's not funny. It's I not mean, like it. This this first movie really comes out swinging with a bunch of just like dislikable degenerates. Oh yeah, and you're oh, like, yeah, I'm. Am I supposed to be entertained by this? I'm just annoyed. <laughs> it's interesting too because it's like I, my personal favorite of the three films is two, and two's framing device I feel like is much better. It still has the idea of like it's just gonna be people sitting in a room watching VHS. Yeah, too. because of course at this point it's like well. People know what this is now. We got to find a way to do that. Yeah. But, yeah. but that first film, yeah, they focus on the team of just the douchebags for so decently long at the beginning. Yeah, and, and it ultimately has like no bearing on yeah. anything. Yeah, because like the, the I think the worst part about all three of these films, and I think viral is the worst of it, is that the overarching narrative when it comes to the end, either at its best is just like, oh, okay. So that happened. Yeah. Or at its worst is like, oh, that's, ugh, you were trying to do something like that? That's kind of <laughs> pathetic. And ultimately, yeah, the first film's overarching narrative is just like, oh, you don't like these douchebags? Well, guess what? They die. Yeah. <laughs> They're all dead now. Yeah, and I think cool. the, the weird thing about the framing segments in these movies is they're always so... I, I, I don't know if it's just the goal is to not upstage the shorts, um, mm-hmm. but it's like, yeah, they're just so nondescript and so lacking in any yeah. memorable moment. Even when they try to go big at the end, you know, to like tie it all off, it like just pales in comparison to the, you know, at least moderately interesting shorts mm-hmm. around them. I will say it is, I, I do think that the first film's overarching idea that each film is seen by a different guy that's yes that's the best part about that overarching narrative the fact that it's like with each new short each guy keeps disappearing yeah and so each guy just like does not know where the other guy went so there's like yeah where'd my friend go well i guess i should watch the third vhs to see (laughs) yeah it is kind of funny though how it's just like rinse and repeat it's just like this guy watches a video and disappears Mm -hmm. and then another guy stumbles in and sees that he's disappeared and (laughs) pops in another video and then doesn't realize that the dead guy that's in the chair is gone you're right (laughs) and then the second film hilariously enough it's just two people that break into a house basically trying to find somebody who is called yeah, missing they're like private investigators i think kind of yeah and uh it's just one person watching all these fucking shorts <laughs> basically until the very end yeah and even then this her all response is just like what the fuck why do they why does he have these on tapes <laughs> yeah at that point too it's pretty clear that like while i love that in concept of just like 
every like honestly in that first VHS where it's like just the iconography of just like walking into a random room, bunch of CRTs are on. Mm-hmm. There's a dead body in the chair and there's a fuck ton of tapes. Sure. Yeah. I remember I think like my teen- premise. Yeah, my teenage brain is like, this is great. I'll take ten more. <laughs> like it was like you could just do this so many times if you have a plethora of directors who want to keep doing this. Yeah. But clearly, after the second film. They didn't feel confident enough to keep that going because they pr- completely just throw that aside for viral. And it art- honestly genuinely distracts because even when they throw that away and you're like, okay, so at least they're not going to try to evoke the VHS aesthetic. They still try to fucking do it even though it's viral videos instead of actual VHS. Yeah. Well, and see, the funny thing about that too is like from the first – of these movies there are shorts or at least sequences and shorts where it's like wait a minute how and why did this end up on a vhs tape yeah like you've got the the amateur night where it's the the guys with the uh the disguised camera glasses that they're wearing it's like wait so somebody had to export the digital file off of those glasses onto their computer and then print it onto a vhs tape i i i have no (laughs) doubt that if Cinema Sense has ever touched any of these films. Oh, he has I'm had, sure it's, that, yeah. that man's had an aneurysm. Yeah. Because in all honesty, like, if you watch the films and you think of that, it's, like, clearly you're aware of, like, the process of, like, doing that. But also, <laughs> like, you also go, like, ah, it doesn't even matter. At a certain yeah. point, it doesn't matter. They're, it's just a framing device. It's an aesthetic. Yeah, it is the, an aesthetic. The, the aesthetic of a blank black VHS is, like, is almost like a cursed creepypasta thing. It's sure. just, like, on its own, like... Yeah, it's like that'll be enough to make people go like, I don't even care how they fucking did it. It's just weird that it's on a tape. As I th- I assume, got yeah. the premise up on the on the run. Ugh. I'm trying to think what else to talk about. Because again, like I mean, uh, I, mean I think Amateur Night is good. My favorite personally is 10:31:98. Yeah, I think that's easily the best one in the first it film. It is, and it, yeah. it makes sense as to why, given the people behind mm-hmm. it. Because I think um, the biggest thing you see is an issue in this film that ultimately will show, you know, foreshadow for the issues in the later films is that I would argue that each one of these shorts has an interesting enough premise in terms of a found footage aspect. It is the execution that yeah. is where it differs because it's like amateur night, fucking just having a secret hidden camera on glasses so you don't have to worry about, like, you know, if they're trying to film a porno. Yeah, like, right, right. A girl is going to constantly ask why they have a camera at all times. But if you have that camera on the glasses, you also don't have to worry about having to legitimize why a camera is with you at all times. Yeah. And then you get something like Second Honeymoon where it's like, yeah, on, on paper, the idea of like you having a camera to focus on your honeymoon and then all of a sudden a stalker takes that camera and uses that against you mm-hmm. in some creepy way. That is a cool idea, and it is creepy, but then, like, it does nothing with that, and so it just kind of falls right. flat. And then ultimately, yeah, all these – it just depends on how the execution is. And I think with this first film, even if I think it's executed decently enough, the momentum doesn't keep it enough to be like, this is great, this is great. Because in my opinion – Yeah. A lot yeah. of them are either – they're kind of too long to – care like, to – 
be sustained by a flimsy premise or yeah. they're too short to let an interesting premise get interesting. I, I think, yeah, because <laughs> it's someone who really likes the four short, the Emily short. That is the thing that holds that one the back the yeah. most to me. Yeah, that it's one's like, interesting. Once, it, yeah. yeah, it leaves it on such a cliffhanger that, like, I remember when I first saw that, it shocked me. But now when I watch it, it's like, ah, you're just, you're almost up the hill. You're almost there. I want to yeah, see where this goes. I think they could have milked that for more like kind of paranoia yes. and like confusion. Yes. Um, but it kind of just went straight to the obvious conclusion really yeah. quick. And it also, I mean, there's a part of this film that I would understand if some people are not into it as much, but there's just aspects of this where you can see the kind of guerrilla low budget filmmaking that is just admirable. Mm-hmm. And not not like oh that's cute kind of way where it's like oh damn like they thought about they have very little money on this so this is how they stage this or that yeah. like like I think if it's a bigger budget you do the Emily if you do the Emily short um, they shoot it at two different times you basically have you shoot all the Emily stuff and then you shoot the boyfriend stuff separately mm-hmm. and then you kind of make it seem like they're talking to each other at the same time maybe they were when they were shooting but they didn't simultaneously shoot yeah however in this film in this short clearly they can't do that cuz it's short it's it's short and it's also they have a ham sandwich for a budget <laughs> so like there are moments in the short where like if you watch his like if you watch the boyfriend screen the lighting matches up perfectly, so they're clearly they practiced on the webcam. Yeah, yeah. You know, they they blocked it. They f- full blown shot it on As a webcam, a zoom call, which is really cool. Which is like I admire that, and I think that's a cool aesthetic to commit to. Yeah. And it's just unfortunate that like story wise, when it gets really good, it's like, well, we gotta finish it. <laughs> we only have so much time to do this. Yeah. And, and also the actress that is in that short. Both both the main actors in that short are really good. For a woman that is constantly getting gaslit in that in that <laughs> short, you feel super bad for her. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I I think the best one is yeah ten thirty one ninety eight because it's just like one, it's not a group of uh, horned up douchebag dudes. It's literally just a bunch of dudes that want to get drunk and wear silly costumes. Well, yeah, they're like clearly get, dude bros, but they're not like despicable toxic. from the very beginning. Yeah, they're yeah. just like dudes looking for. Fun night again it's it's such it's such dissonance to have the overarching narrative be the worst guys possible yeah to follow for an overarching narrative and then you get to 10 31 98 where it's like normal dudes they get thrown into basically a haunted house situation and even when they should probably bounce they all know it's the it's like oh, it's the right thing if we go save that girl yeah. and it's like that is just yeah. just night and day in this yeah. film you get you get the whole spectrum of just guys being dudes and masculinity and it's yeah. just and a lot of boobs, a lot of nudity, just for the sake of it. Yeah, really I just for the sake of it. I, and I, again, when you watch those clips, it's like, okay, yes, in narrative, I can understand why. But it's clear that the reason why this exists <laughs> is because you want more people to watch it. Yeah. Because <laughs> you wanted to be like, oh, it's rated R for nudity. Ooh. Yeah. All those teenage boys are just going to be like, well, I got to see what this is. Right. But in all honesty, it adds nothing to the plot. <laughs> I think the only time it would technically add to the plot is in it in viral for one specific moment oh, of nudity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, there's several different moments of nudity in viral, but also in in amateur night because yeah, uh, I mean, because it's yeah. the sexual nature of their mm-hmm. endeavors. Yeah, and oh my gosh, that woman when she's in silhouette, full blown naked, making weird ass noises. Oh, yeah. 
It's like that. She's is, pretty terrifying. She's she great. Is great, and um, it's no surprise that when ultimately they turn that short into a feature film, she, she she's fucking. Back. She comes back. Yeah. Like it's no surprise. Um. Uh. But yeah, I I think the first VHS. Yeah, I, I think it goes ranking wise for me. It probably goes. 10, 20, 10 31 98 amateur night emily tuesday uh second honeymoon and then tape i, I guess i'll probably put tape above second honeymoon just because the guys actually die i guess <laughs> like, they just get their they yeah. get their comeuppance in some way shape or form yeah and, I, and second honeymoon is just so fucking boring <laughs> yeah i my ranking is pretty much the same i would just swap and put tape 56 on the bottom that's fine. Um, but I would I would probably say 1031's the only one I would call like good. Yeah. And then the other three are fine. And then second honeymoon and tape fifty six are bad. <laughs> yeah, dog shit. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I mean, I mean, it's I think it's definitely worth a watch in terms of especially if you're a horror fan if you haven't watched it because yeah. you can see, especially in this first film because it doesn't keep this it doesn't keep this aesthetic as this specific aesthetic <clears> to a degree because this aesthetic very much feels like they sold this film on the idea of Blair Witch-esque. Yeah. It's almost like they sold this film of like, listen, we're going to tell you now these are not real tapes <laughs> done by real people. This is, these are not snuff films, but yeah. we're going to pretend like they are, like mm-hmm. other studios have tried to do in the past, and we'll make it actually look like it's shot on a video camera, on a VHS camera, which they clearly did. Right. And it's like, we're going to make this look as authentic as possible and make it feel like something like Blair Witch. And, of course, any studio, probably at that time, if it didn't look like dog shit, go like, <laughs> yeah, fucking send it my way. And so, of course, Magnet yeah. distributes it. Um, like you said, makes like $2 million on a like 242000 budget. And then that doesn't even count for home sales and streaming. Yeah. And it, this, I mean, VHS series in general, like it's no surprise Shudder picked it up for the reboot. This right. just screams like streaming originals. Absolutely. Where it's like these these would be so much fun to watch in theaters, but clearly it would be so much less of a risk and more fun to just give it straight to the people that would love this type of shit, which of course if you have Shudder, <laughs> you love horror. Yeah. So yeah. like it's all types of horror. So it's like clearly VHS works in the home setting. That being said though, when it comes to the next film, which is literally a year after this. Yeah, this kind of became a yearly thing yes. after the first film. Mm-hmm. And with VHS 2, they have just completely dropped the uh, aesthetic of this is shitty VHS camera. Which <laughs> <laughs> is now like, clearly they have more money, or at least they are distributing the money a little bit more amongst four shorts rather than yeah. five. You have directors that are known for, oh, I don't know. Let's think of uh, the Blair Witch Project, mm-hmm. the fucking raid. Uh, you get God. I'm trying to think of. You get the guy that did Hobo with a shotgun. Yeah. <laughs> you get uh, Adam Wingard again. Unfortunately, doing the worst short of these four films. <laughs> and then you have an overarching narrative where you see Simon Baird's dick. No one asked for that. Yeah. But hey, it's funny when it happens. It just comes out of nowhere. It's kind of funny. <laughs> But ultimately, VHS 2, in my opinion, is the best of the three, is the most consistent entertaining entertainment-wise, and also shows, at its core, the best of like what VHS has to offer when it comes to talent and execution when it's at its best. Because 
and like it just it's just so much fun vhs2 especially when you get past the first short which the shorts in this one are phase one clinical trials yeah. which is about a robot eye yeah uh again like second honeymoon fun premise yeah. Execution not so good. It's like good. a really shitty Black Mirror episode. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And honestly, there is a Black Mirror episode that like is that. Uh, yeah, yeah, a thousand yeah. times better and more interesting than that. Uh, second short is A Ride in the Park, mm-hmm. which is uh, done by, I believe, Greg Hale and Eduardo Chance. Yeah. It's, uh, which is a it, zombie. It's a POV zombie film where you have the POV of the zombie. Oh, um, my God. When it's I, kind of a fun little, oh, little goofy it's romp. so good. Like. Yeah. When I was watching VHS 2, I watched VHS 1 with our friend and my roommate, Adam. And then with VHS 2, I watched it with both my roommates. And Adam, going into VHS 2, when we were watching Phase 1 Clinical Trials, he was just like, ah, fucking again. So bad. I was like, God, like, it's like, ah, you told me this. It's like, I listen, it is better. This is, <laughs> I promise. This is we'll much, get there. This is much better than the first one. We just have to get the bad one out of the way. And he's like, yeah, but why is it even here? And it's like, listen, <laughs> I agree with you. I know why it's here. I still don't like it, but listen, let's get past it. And then when we got to a ride in the park, his face went, oh, we're doing a zo- zombies make everything better. We're going to follow a zombie? <laughs> That's so much fun. And it's like, yeah. yeah. And all it gets better from here. Because, <laughs> mm-hmm. again, you get a ride in the park. Then you get Safe Haven, which is my favorite short. Safe Haven always. is like. Probably the most respectable thing this franchise has produced. Bad shit. And, yeah. and leave it a, a man that deserves blockbuster cinema <laughs> thrown at him. Gareth Evans. Yeah. And uh, Timo Tajanto. Yeah. Thank you for saying that because I was also. I don't know if that's that. correct pronunciation. No, but of course, taking like, hey, let's take two guys I just did the Raid 2 stuff with, put them in my short film for this horror anthology, uh, yeah. and go absolutely batshit. <laughs> and my God, Safe Haven is batshit. It's obviously the best of all these three films. Yeah. And it's just like clearly, okay, so this guy knows what he's doing is what you want right, to say. Right. It also is like a decent uh, three-act structure for such a short. <laughs> yeah. There's an actual plot to it compared to the other ones, but there are plots. Well, it's really long, too, like compared to the other. I think it's like 20 to 25. Oh, I thought it was. Like, it felt, I, it, I didn't clock it, but it felt like it was over 30. It's, it, it gets to that point, because I'm pretty sure Phase 1 Clinical Trials, despite feeling like it's 30 minutes, <laughs> it's like 9 minutes. Yeah. Uh, and I believe Ride in the Park is about the same amount. Yeah, that one's pretty short. And then around the time you get like halfway through Safe Haven, I think is when it hits the hour mark. Oh, okay. So I think that like Safe Haven takes up the most of it for a good reason. And then the last one, I have a special place in my heart, because I just love the premise, which is uh, Slumber Party Alien Duction. <laughs> Yeah, uh, such a fun, goofy premise that like would it honestly is a '80s film premise. Yeah, it's taken so straightforward and seriously. Yeah, that the only honestly the only thing that really holds that one back is its cinematography. Yeah, because, it's kind of hard to watch at times. Yeah, it's low budget, and they can do so only so much with night shooting. And one of the options that they decide to do, I understand narratively because teenage kids are fucking annoying with strobe lighting. <laughs> I get a test. I, get, I mean, strobe lighting as a kid, yeah. it's just fun. But to have one of the only main sources of light that be happens to be a strobe does fucking hurt. Yeah. It does hurt at some times. Yeah. It makes it sound like we're like 87. But no, it it definitely is like a goddamn. Uh, you're right. Especially when you know exactly why it's strobing. Because it's like it not only does it make sense narratively, but it also 
it strobes because the monster can just like jump almost like teleport closer and closer with each strobe and still a really fun i think it's a really fun short and i think ends on a high note for vhs2 and then again the overarching narrative is there it's a little bit more interesting, but like to say that it's not saying much compared to the first film overarching. Oh, the yeah framing yeah. device. Yeah, I it's, mean it's mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's better only because the characters in it aren't insufferable. They're yes. just bland. And it's also, I believe, it's the first time. It's the only time in one or two that kind of like it tries to tie it together like they could do another trilogy like another film before viral happens and kind of fucking makes it weird because the whole framing device is like andy said it's a private eye and his girlfriend and they're looking for a missing student that someone's paying for to like go find yeah they go to the guy's house they can't find him but they find a video of him blogging to himself and it's implied that he is like selling as well as buying like cursed black vhs tapes across the web (laughs) and is like clearly it's like talking to other people about the same shit that you see in the first film and second film he's also watching clips from the first film Mm -hmm. in in like on his computer and i think also i don't know if this has ever been confirmed it wouldn't surprise me but i'm pretty sure the dead guy in the first film is like related to him because I think at some point you see a bunch of pictures on and like a mantelpiece. You see them both in the picture. I, you see the guy. The guy from the first. I one? think the dead old man. Yeah. I think you see him. Gary. I think, I think so. Because I mean, again, it was it was an old white man with a mustache. It could be anybody. Yeah, it could. But it feels it feels very much like like oh, it feels like this is trying to do some connective tissue. Sure. And plus the guy that. That's that's like kind of fun. Yeah. Well, Easter eggs if mm-hmm. you're looking for. Them. And the guy that uh did that because I think because there's a a credit called Anthology Concept by. <laughs> and I believe it's uh, Brad Miska, who's a producer yeah. on all three of these films. He's and like, he's the founder of Bloody Disgusting. Yes, yeah. yes. I believe he helped create that idea of like trying to connect them all together as well. And it makes sense, because when it gets to viral, he is like one of the only connected tissues <sighs> between the first two films yeah. and that one, because every, pretty much everyone who was like, tied to cast, crew, you know, production-wise, directing, writing of the first two films is not involved at yeah. all for viral. And so, like, VHS 2 is a lot of fun. I would recommend, especially if you're going to watch any of these films, <laughs> 2 is the one that is, like, the high point. And if you watch VHS 2 and you're curious about the other two of the first trilogy, I will say go for it, but don't be surprised if you're a bit disappointed. But yeah. if you watch VHS 2 and you're like, that was fun, I got enough out of it, then good for you because yeah. you went in high and you got out high in terms of <laughs> the quality of these uh is your so your favorite safe haven yeah safe haven and ride in the park i would say are ride both good yeah. mm-hmm. um and then slumber party was was fine it's fun but it's yes. also like kind of yes. it's super stupid and like you said hard to watch yeah um, it's also i think it also has the same issue as emily where it's like that could honestly be its own feature yeah it even shot the way that it is yeah. i think a full found footage film that is trying to do that premise could actually handle that well yeah and with you could do it found footage but do it less nauseatingly less trouble um, i agree i mean honestly both of these both I, I don't know if it's just been a while since I've really watched much found footage. I've seen plenty of found footage movies. It's not like I'm for like the genre is foreign to me, but for no, some yeah. reason, both of these first two, it it was just like excessively 
shaky and, and yes. hard to watch. And yes. I'm sure at some points they're trying to hide certain, you know, edits or or makeup changes or yeah. actor swaps or no, whatever. Yeah. But I was like, I, I've never had any issues with like motion sickness or anything during movies but like mm-hmm. during the first one it was a little bit of a shock to my system no <laughs> it's like oh, oh god understand this 100, is no 100%. chunky yeah i mean it also i mean adam made a great point when we were watching the first one where he's like god a lot of this just feels like like shit you would just watch on youtube <laughs> yeah. like and like it, it, he's like it wasn't even he wasn't even trying to say it in a like necessarily 100 percent sure sense. sure there's an authentic read to that like that they no, feel yeah organic yeah i could 100 percent see if like they like if there's an alternate reality where these films don't exist but they made shorts exclusively to throw on youtube as if they were like yeah real yeah like almost paranormal activity-esque yeah kind of uh, like those like the back rooms yeah i yeah. mean honestly yeah like this is like i could see like me in high school watching a shit ton of Marvel Hornets, which was a fan made Slender Man series. <laughs> it actually still holds up. Wait, what's it called? It's called Marble Hornets. Marble Hornets. It's a, it's a fan made. It was basically about a, a guy finds a bunch of tapes of like his friend had a film production that he was doing. Yeah. And then at a certain point he stopped doing the film, gave his friend all these tapes and said, burn all the tapes. <laughs> And then just disappeared. And then his friend and, was like, well, I got to watch him. And then his friend watches him and finds out that there's this creature in a suit with a white face. The Slenderman. And it's before, you know, this is before Slender, the arrival. This is before the two uh, teenage girls, unfortunately, oh, try to yeah. kill try to kill somebody. And, like, before, like, so the height. So this was kind of just, like, early based on, like, the game? No, this is like something like would it still a message board thing? Oh, uh, okay. Like way kind of like an SCP starts. type shit. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. And so, like, I mean, because I, it's one of those things where, yeah, it's YouTube at that point, the internet in that era, is you could send your friend a video that if you watch now, go, well, this is fake as fuck. But at that point, in terms of viral, you know, virability when it comes to you know a video or just like the authenticity. Especially with our generation, and definitely with fucking Gen Z too, you just throw someone to something, don't give them any, <laughs> any kind of context, and that'll shake and rattle their cage yeah. a little bit. Yeah. I mean, there's still shit from like the early YouTube era. I remember like watching a little bit here and there that I still personally do not touch because I'm like I it creeped you out. It's just it's just yeah, it just feels very odd, and also the fact that like. Do you have an example? I do. I okay. here's the thing. I do. I do not have the name of it. Oh. But I will tell you if you text Patrick. Oh, okay. If you text our friend Patrick, because one time Patrick and I were talking about uh, old YouTube and like shit like this, and I was telling him about Marble Hornets and whatnot and backroom stuff because I I've watched all the backroom stuff. I don't mm-hmm. know if you have. I've only seen the first it's, one. It's it's so good. Yeah. It's so much fun. The first the, one I that was like my first exposure to the backrooms was that video me too so it was like that was a really cool way to find out about that whole internet corner yeah and being like oh this okay Mm it's a whole culture the fact that an 18 year old or like a 17 year old like fucking is now got a film yeah he's making a feature film about backrooms and he actually just posted something for like halloween that's like 30 minutes long this oh yeah i gotta watch that at some point because he's making really good shit but no, yeah, there was something I talked to Patrick about, and he was telling me, like, have you ever heard of such and such? And I think I blocked it out of my brain because, like, I was just like, no, um, maybe. I looked it up. I shit you not, Andy. Mm. As soon as I click search, 
and he sees the first thumbnail. He shot up the he shot up the chair like a dog, like seeing like an intruder outside oh, the God. window and said, "That's fucking it. That shit fucking rocked me until like <laughs> I was like 16, 17. and I was like, I know exactly what that video is. I'm not gonna watch that. Okay. <laughs> and he said, okay. And then that like that was the end of our conversation. I wonder but, if he went back and watched it. He probably did, but there's like. I mean, again, you could text him and he'll probably give you that answer. Yeah. But interesting. There's just so much shit in that era where it's like it is so scrappy, it is so almost underground and low budget, and a lot of those creators are not looking for a spotlight, mm-hmm. so they will hide their identities, which makes it seem even more cursed and mysterious. Yeah, it makes it feel like found footage. Yeah, like you just stumbled on it. And it's no surprise that probably bloody disgusting seeing that trend build on the internet mm-hmm. and seeing some people be like hey we want to kind of capitalize on that as well as kind of like in a film sense take that Blair Witch energy as well as the kind of early YouTube early internet energy and try to mix it in a way that would work really well yeah and it I think works for both films the first the first two films and while yeah. VHS1 is aged like milk in a lot of places <laughs> I understand why it did so well and initially as well as why it got so popular on the internet because yeah. of just like what it tries to do in VHS2 the same way. I, hilariously enough, VHS2 has a less positive audience score than VHS1 does. Oh, interesting. Which I think shows because I think a lot of people are like, the oh, it's, novelty it's, war. Yeah, it, well, it's also I think they just didn't commit to the VHS camera aesthetic. Oh, sure. They, they clearly were not hiding the fact <laughs> that it's HD. Yeah. It's a new era. And then yeah. it's like, it's not. It's, it's not, not VHS rugged. anymore. It's not rough and ragged anymore. Yeah. But people still like those shorts. And that being said, though, we yeah. get into our final film. Right. Which is, uh, honest to God, the <laughs> no surprise, basically killed this franchise until yeah, it. For several be- years. Yeah, until seven years later when they yeah. decide to reboot it. But in an era like we, we've been talking about where it's like, you know, early internet scares. Blair Witch energy, even like a decade later, is yeah. still just like palpable. Decade plus later, and companies trying to capitalize probably on something that is like, oh, this could be like paranormal activity, like yeah. get people to talk about this. They decide that for the third VHS film, the final one in our trilogy, to dump the VHS aesthetic <laughs> to a degree and go straight into the scary internet creepypasta curse stuff yeah and not even consistently at no that. <laughs> no so what it's like what do you get when you take all the creative talent as well as a lot of the you know a lot of the essence of what makes the first two films work so well or even at its worst still kind of keeps it you know engaging enough and you just throw it to the side you get 2014's vhs viral yeah you get strangely enough you still have some talented directors behind the three shorts. There was actually supposed to be four, and the fourth one was cut last minute. It was huh. cut for time. Interesting. So the three shorts are Dante the Great, yeah, uh, Parallel Monsters, which in my opinion is probably the best of the three, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 and Bone Storm. But there was a fourth one called Dangerous Vortex. Uh-huh. It was directed by Todd Lincoln. Uh, gorgeous vortex gorgeous vortex yeah, thank yeah. you uh it's nearly 16 minutes long and apparently they cut it at the very last moment because it just did not fit with the narrative that was overarching throughout all the shorts as well as the narrative sure yeah so keep <laughs> so think about that 
the first film is basically five, six shorts to a degree uh, that are just, you know, ragged, they're rough, and they are pretty flawed, but ultimately that all stays in that film. And then in VHS 2, yeah. there are four, you know, yeah, one less short, but that's because you put a lot of that effort, you could put in a fifth short and you give it to four other teams yeah, to make yeah. something a little bit more, a little more ambitious, yeah, a little bit more ambitious, higher budget, can let them play around a bit more, mm-hmm. and you commit to that. But when you get to something like VHS Viral, where they have four shorts on deck, this <laughs> short was finished, and yet they decide to drop it entirely, spend the yeah. money to make a 16-minute short. They would have pushed this film... Over uh, 90 minutes. Over 90 minutes, close to two hours. Yeah. And even though they spent the money they would have rather wasted the time yeah than actually shown the film you can actually watch the film if you buy vhs viral on blu-ray ah. then you'd have to buy vhs viral on blu-ray <laughs> i'm sure it's on youtube i think i did find like because i was yeah. gonna watch it before we did the podcast today but then i got busy realized i didn't watch it and i was like ah yeah i can watch it some other time yeah but i i did click on the video at one point while i was watching vhs viral i just clicked on gorgeous vortex out of curiosity and pretty much all of the comments were like sarcastically gee i wonder why they cut this from viral oh which really just makes me even more curious to see what the (laughs) fuck it was but yeah the hs viral is dog shit yeah (laughs) there is uh, there's just i feel confident calling it a worthless film it is no it is it is if anything the thing that is the most surprising about this is you think for a worthless film, you would think one of the reasons why it's worthless is because it doesn't have talent behind it. Mm. No, it's frustrating because the directors that are behind this actually have gone on to do other stuff. In particular, the directors of Bone Storm, which oh. is the fucking skate, yeah. death cult, Mexican God, cartel thing. That one is fucking... Oh, yeah. They are directors of The Endless, Syncrotic, and also have been directing episodes for Moon Knight as well as Loki. Yeah. So they've been they've been pretty busy. Uh, the guy that directed Dante the Great, hilariously enough, we brought up earlier that Amateur Night had become a feature film. Uh, he directed the feature film of Amateur Night called Siren. Who did? The guy that did Dante the Great. Oh, God. <laughs> and then... Uh, Parallel Monsters is directed by, his last name escapes me, you have your screen up, Nacho Vigalondo, Vigalondo, who directed Colossal, starring Anne Hathaway okay. and Jason yeah, Sudeikis, yeah, yeah. which I think is a pretty great film. <laughs> I like that film a lot. Yeah. And it makes, it's no surprise that not only is his short probably my favorite, it's also the fucking weirdest Yeah. He does not give a shit about the horror aesthetic. That's one of the things about Viral. <laughs> it's not scary. That's the thing about Viral, too. Because even though VHS 1 and 2, I think now, if you watch it, not really scary, like, at all. It's just, like, it's shocking if at best, depending on what short you yeah. watch. Uh, with VHS Viral, it just doesn't give a fuck and is not scary at all. Like It really doesn't bother, yeah. Yeah, like, like the, clo- the scariest one technically could be Parallel Monsters. Beca- and even then... It's clear that the team behind that was not even trying to be scary. It was more trying to be intriguing and mysterious. Yeah. Until the until the monster cock drops, and then it's like, oh, this is just goofy. This uh, is yeah. just silly. It's still fun, 
but this is silly as fuck and does not need to be in the VHS film. Yeah. And that's kind of the issue here, too, is, like, the three shorts that we have, we have a magician that finds an old cloak that Houdini once had that basically gives you actual magic, and the only way it keeps giving you magic is if you sacrifice people to it. Yeah, it seemingly is like a portal to some demon or something. Yes, because um, we get the wonderful... in its power. Did you really like the, the, the stinger at the end of the short oh, where yes. it's a CG hand yes. coming out of totally from the curtain? <laughs> you know? Yeah, very well done. Also, yeah. that one is like, it takes on like a documentary format. Yeah. Which is just awful yeah, i it's, hate it it's so flat like it's flat you could pick wise. out moments in any of these three movies where you're like well doesn't make a lot of sense that this is found footage with all the edits that are happening and that sort of thing but like that one the documentary aspect is just such not only high production value for what it's trying to be oh yeah but also like the leaps they're trying to make to make having cameras present makes sense is just absurd oh my god i will say though with dante the great i did i did enjoy like the final confrontation with the swat because it's so fucking stupid <laughs> yeah oh yeah it is so silly that and i was like dante definitely has some it has so bad it's good kind of potential sprinkled <laughs> the, out through it the best part though and i'm i don't give a fuck about saying this out loud because if you want to see this part you can just don't watch the whole movie yeah well there's a part at the very end where the swat team is trying to take on dante <laughs> and he's doing magical tricks to take him and at one point he gets shot and then a swat swat guy comes over to check his body turns out he shot one of his own guys and then behind him gets shot in the back of the head because dante has taken over dante almost. like switched places <laughs> switched not and only outfits <laughs> with switched, a swat team switched apparel and places with the same yeah. person when it gets full he goes full like kind of dr strangey with all his oh, magic he's like running so, on the walls so and yeah. shooting fire bolts and deflecting yeah, bullets when, and... <laughs> it's again you can see that there's talent there it just <laughs> is so fucking silly and has no right being one the first short in a VHS film into just a short that's in a VHS film yeah. in general. Especially when, again, another thing that breaks this film down to dog shit level is that the overarching narrative in Viral, compared to the other two films, mm. takes itself so fucking seriously. So seriously. And, and there's no reason to. Well, because it doesn't make any fucking sense. It's totally incoherent. And it's like, why is why am are we even cutting to this at this point? It feels like just drop the framing. You're dropping everything yeah. else. Just drop it, the framing device the and framing, do shorts. The framing almost implies. So basically the framing, which seems like would be the most engaging of the three because there's almost like a ticking time yeah, aspect yeah. to it, is basically the, the, the protagonist in the overarching narrative loves shooting everything. He's kind of Kevin. a voyeurist. He this yeah he wants to be viral he wants to shoot everything. He shoots his girlfriend a lot. He shoots his girlfriend a lot. Uh, he's also I think a teenager, because like at times I looked at him and said oh you're a full grown adult that lives with your girlfriend <laughs> and then there's at one point he's running to go chase like the ice cream truck and he, f he just full blown sees his grandma naked. Yeah. So it's like he lives with his yeah family. he lives with his grandma. He lives with his grandma and it's like wait is he is he a teenager? in high school and he just really likes filming or is he a dude that's in his 20s like i can't tell yeah that doesn't matter in terms of what basically the plot is because ultimately his girlfriend gets entranced by these spooky videos on her phone yeah and then a, a, almost a disappearing act happens when 
a police chase with a ice cream truck ultimately leads his girlfriend to get kidnapped by said ice cream truck while it's driving away. Yeah. So the device is basically him trying to get to the ice cream truck to save his girlfriend <sighs> while a police chase is happening. Meanwhile, there's like some kind of mass hysteria happening around yes, every, it's not really explained everybody with their iphone 3gs's look down on their phones and yeah. see like a spooky video or sometimes you'll see clips from the first two films because fuck you right. why would you watch those films when you could be watching this right. hip new vhs film called viral <laughs> um and it, yeah it just like basically everywhere this guy bikes around to try to chase this ice cream truck he starts to realize that this ice cream truck is going in circles because it's trying to transmit a feed of like spooky videos that yeah. entrances people and makes them either kill themselves or do crazy violent, things, yeah. be violent, and ultimately get to a point where it's like, well, none of this is scary. This is so fucking silly. Why yeah. would is what is this trying to be again? A chihuahua gets killed with like a barbecue skewer. Yeah, like a like a dog that looks like Wishbone the dog <laughs> yeah. gets like the shittiest comped in like yeah like steak fork yeah like steak fork. fork yeah and it just like the dog doesn't react it clearly <laughs> is like it's it's so silly it's it's not yeah and it's it, unlike dante the great i don't even think it's silly in a so bad it's good way it's just no. genuinely confounding yeah it's, it's like, like well, i can't even happening? follow what's happening because yeah. it's so badly executed yeah so you have an overarching narrative that doesn't matter because ultimately again at least in the first two films while the idea of like Ooh, let me film myself while I watch VHS tapes. It's so fucking stupid. Yeah. At least there is like the line of like, well, you hear them put the tape in. Yeah. They are watching the it's tape. It's atmospheric. It commits enough yeah. to the narrative. Yeah. Well, as in viral, every time I was like, so what is going to lead into this next short? And it's uh, nothing. Nothing. Yeah. It's the, just another just short. Arbitrarily cuts to a short. Just another short. And it's. Uh, it would have been so easy to say, oh, this is these are the videos that are playing on people's phones that's being yeah. transmitted. But no, it's just random cuts. Yeah. I assume the big thing that is supposed to be the overarching narrative for the shorts that ties into the overarching narrative of the actual overarching narrative itself is the fact that everybody in the shorts in some way, shape, or form are trying to be famous or yeah. notable or you would think viral would be the thing, but the thing is is that completely gets denoted when you watch the second short where the guy doesn't even give a fuck about being viral. He just wants to create a portal to parallel dimensions. <laughs> yeah. What does that have to do with fucking being viral? <laughs> right, yeah. And it doesn't even matter. <laughs> it's like at a certain point it's like, and nobody's going to watch this and be like, oh, there's something being said here. No. No, there's nothing being said here. Because even if you thought that, the shot of a man having a monster cock in his face right. really just takes that away. Then <laughs> <laughs> getting eaten by a monster vagina. That was... That, I love that shot. That's yeah. one of the only shots I think in Viral Orb, like, I love the commitment to this. <laughs> I love that we're in this weird, satanic, alternate reality where everyone's genitalia is a fucking monster. monster. Yeah. Like a weird, not even Lovecraftian, just a weird, right. phallic, like H.R. Giger's worst nightmare type shit. Yeah. And again, with yeah, the second short is basically a man creating a parallel universe uh, portal, finding a version of himself saying, hey, in 15 minutes, let's just swap places and check each other's worlds out. And then finding out that the guy 
really made a bad mistake because yeah. the world that our guy that is now in the parallel universe it's not a great parallel no. universe it is i will say though out of all the shorts it is my favorite quote unquote mainly because there yeah. is an intriguing mystery that does spoon feed enough as it goes on right it's just as soon as it is revealed the main thing just the the monster cocks and the giant vaginas with teeth yeah that it's just like oh well okay yep can't go anywhere with that that's kind of fun i guess and then ultimately it ends exactly where you think it's going to end so (laughs) even though i like it it is predictable as shit yeah once the curtain is pulled once the rug is pulled out from under you you know exactly what's under that rug like there's nothing to hide from it yeah and then you know more overarching narrative where like at one point uh, a skater or a, bi- a biker just tries to like fucking stop the ice cream truck gets taken <laughs> and then at one point like is dragged on the street to the point where he loses his shoes and like his feet get drugged to a point where it comes down to the bone but it yeah. looks so fucking shitty yeah that it doesn't matter <laughs> it doesn't really do anything for you which again Compare it to, like, in VHS 1, there's a scene in one of the shorts where, like, someone is cutting someone open and pulling out, like, an organ. Yeah. And that still, even though I knew it was going to happen, still makes me... Yeah, it's gross. It's It's real enough to be off-putting. Not in viral. Couldn't give a fucking viral. (laughs) (laughs) And then that leads us to our last short. Viral also, in the Dante one, has that... Uh, I think it's a SWAT guy getting his like chest blown open, yes, and it's yes. the laziest fucking like. Here's just a panel on his jacket that flies open, and yeah. there's fake ribs yeah, in there. Yeah, it's oh my god, awful, 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 awful. And guess what? It doesn't change with Bone Storm. No. Funny enough, Bone Storm is probably the one that seems. I at least the last all three of these shorts to a degree feel self-aware, but also feel like they should. I feel like if you just title this film not VHS viral, and you change the overarching narrative. Yeah. Like, if you make it seem more like it's horror comedy or sillier than it actually is. Sure. I think you could, like, maybe at some point. Get a little more forgiveness, at least. Yeah, go from less, like, from, like, a one out of five to, like, a one and a half. (laughs) But, like, the fact that it's tied to, especially with the amount of, you know, they have to meet in terms of expectations after the second film where it's like, oh, the budgets are getting bigger. The shorts are getting bigger. Yeah. So they have to do something. And then it's like the third one's like, oh, they have three shorts. Clearly, they've got more money and they're bigger shorts. Mm. No. No. <laughs> like, Bone Storm, I think, is, you know, as, as a premise, is very funny and silly. And I think in the right context, and again, if it was executed better, could have been an absolute fucking blast. Yeah. Because it, it has it has 103198 energy where it's like a bunch of dudes that have like a bunch of skaters that yeah. just want to fucking skate in a spot no one's at. And they go to a fucking death cult's like ritual location <laughs> on accident that apparently is tied to the cartel. Yeah, I guess. And ultimately leads to a bunch of skaters beating the shit out of zombies. Yeah. And well, and it's also it also Bonesworm takes us back to the series roots in that all of the characters in this are fucking despicable assholes. <laughs> like they're just un- unlikable yeah. dickheads. <laughs> yeah, thankfully they do not spout racial slurs. No, because no, no slurs. They're just low lives. Yeah, they're just a bunch of douchebag skaters. Yeah, that are just mean to one another. And half the footage <laughs> is just of 
it's of their GoPros on their helmets aimed at their face, so you're just seeing like from the nose up. Yeah, of these I, guys at a certain at a certain point, uh, because there's four guys when the initial when the incident happens, yeah. where they have to start fighting cult ritual people, and two of the four people die, and um, they are so worthless name wise as well as character wise that the two surviving people just call them cameraman guy. And gas money guy yeah and gas money guy is someone we have followed through the entirety of the short at that point because gas money guys basically was is like a filmmaker slash editor who is doing these skateboarding videos for them right so technically you think he'd be the one that lasts the longest but no this motherfucker dies randomly during the fight and then like <laughs> the two honestly the two biggest douchebags of the four stay alive yeah and are fighting for their lives with the the strongest skateboards known to man because there are a yeah. bunch of skulls that get beat destroyed. In. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I just saw Bone Storm today, and it's Same. still just like when I just think about when I think of that short, I want to think about like you know how much fun it would be to like bash those heads in like the ritual, like the cultists in, but yeah, no. Yeah. When I think, I think exactly the same thing you do, which is just shots of their fucking faces with the GoPros. <laughs> yeah. And me realizing I don't know anybody's name. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter. Just them over and over going, Danny, we gotta go. We and gotta also, go. Yeah, and also it does the worst faux pas. They killed could, Gas Money Kid. Yeah. The, one of the worst faux pas you could ever do with a short. If you're going to possibly bring a monster into the short, you better <laughs> fucking show the goddamn monster. Even if for just a second. Like, and come on. And they did not. There's, like, a shot of, like, a leg that could be anything. Yeah. It could be his dick. It doesn't even fucking matter. You can't even tell what it is. You just know it's a monster that you can't see, and that's yeah. sad. Which also, it, it fares even more poorly if, you know, you've seen this movie's predecessors because it, it's kind of doing the same thing as Safe Haven. Yep. But does it so much worse? Yeah. I mean, again, because at a certain point, it is literally just like. At it's, it's a base cult level, that's it's, like summoning a monster, basically. It is basically two skaters fighting a bunch of people in robes in a empty quarry. Yeah. For the majority. Or a, like a drain sewer. I think it's like, like a, a drain. Yeah, it's a drain yeah. sewer. It's like it's basically them fighting a bunch of robed fucks in a drain sewer, and it just keeps going. <laughs> yeah. And then when you think they're going to, like, roll into the monster, they end up at one point, they're like, clear, go down, like, go through this way. And there's, like, this little opening that almost feels like, oh, if they go through this way, they'll end up in a trap or something. Yeah. No, they just end up on the other side of the fucking drain. Yep. Like, it doesn't matter. Yep. <laughs> and they make it out. They survive. Ultimately, they survive it. And yeah, I guess, yeah. You can say there's an open-ending aspect of it where it's like, oh, maybe they got caught. But who fucking cares? Who fucking cares? And then that leads into, I think, the most amplified version, uh, italicized, bold, who fucking cares? <laughs> Nothing like the overarching narrative's reveal. Yeah. Which is when our protagonist in this narrative finds the ice cream truck. He finds basically hands, dis dismembered hands taped to the wheel. So clearly the guy that was driving the ice cream truck was not, you know, was was a part of it, but was forced to be a part of it. Yeah. And then finds, basically, inside the ice cream truck is a bunch of fucking TVs. Right. A button that just says upload. upload. And then a video from his girlfriend that is basically saying, well, don't you want to be part of something bigger? Don't you want to be yeah. viral? 
Don't you want to send it out all those hits, those clicks, like and subscribe? Yeah. And then he clicks the upload button, and well, she also is bashing her head in when she says this shit. Yeah. Right. So of course that's why he pushes upload. And then like pushes upload, and then some opera music plays as you as you can hear like oh everything's going to crazy in L.A. <sighs> Everyone's getting these videos, and then he finds out that his girlfriend, who clearly was doing that video like. Was not under the influence or anything. Like was clearly just doing that video because she went mad. Yeah. Uh, finds her dead next to the ice cream truck with her phone shoved in her mouth. Yep. God, I love. Uh, I love symbolism. Don't you? <laughs> phones bad. Phones bad. What if phones but too much? What if viral doesn't mean just a YouTube video getting big, but what if it also means a virus that we can't see? <laughs> It's like it's so obvious what it's trying yeah. to fucking do. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with trying to do that. It's just when you try to do it in a fucking series that is known for VHS tapes and yeah. CRTVs and video quality that looks like something your mom would have shot in the early 90s. Why the fuck would you change that? Yeah. Just it's also if you're going to try, try. Because it tries <laughs> at the very end to do viral shit. And it's like the rest of the movie had nothing to do with this. <laughs> I know. Uh, it was so funny. It was because, like, when I was talking to Adam about the first film, I was like, "Listen, if you're not a huge fan of the first one, but you kind of like a bit of it, we'll watch VHS two. I think you'd like that a lot more. Yeah. You are not going to watch Viral with me. No one's going to watch Viral with me. I don't want to see you that mad. This is my <laughs> cross to bear. And it was funny because, like, basically Friday and Adam left the room. I just threw on Viral. I watch Viral. I go in my room. I hear Adam go, well, and I said, well, guess what? It's still dog shit. Yeah. <laughs> and it is. It's a fucking awful film that if I even, I, oh God, if I even give it a star, it's just because I like, I like the not. The penis one? The penis one is just funny. Yeah. And also it's because like, you know, again, there is an element to these shorts where it's clearly they are aware that this is not probably going to be the best for a VHS film, but they're going to still have fun with it. But then it begs the question, why did producers not fucking realize that if they're going to keep the VHS moniker, that people are probably going to be <laughs> fucking pissed if you kept this on? Yeah. And yeah, that's VHS viral. It killed the VHS series until 2021. Yeah. And then it is so far since 2021, all the way up to this year, there's a new one that came out this year. Yeah. 85. 85. You know, they are now back in the swing of things. Back, um, baby. They're back, and it seems like they know exactly what they're doing. Going for it. Doesn't matter if it's not going to make a bajillion dollars yeah. or a studio trying to make it so it can hit that sweet spot. It yeah. clearly is. Whether or not it's meant to be this way, This the new reboot trilogy feels like it's very much like, listen, we know what they did wrong <laughs> with Viral. We know that the VHS aesthetic can only go so far unless we make some changes to it. So they go retro. So, they, yeah, they go full-blown nostalgia retro, which yeah. I think is a good call. <laughs> smart call. A very smart call. And that is the VHS trilogy. Yeah. That's, that's, again, after watching uh, Sierra Leone's Once Upon a Time trilogy, it just felt an honor spooky season. And, of course, Andy and I being more stressed in October for vastly different reasons. <laughs> But also very busy. Yeah. I just was like, yeah, what better way to talk about the Halloween season than 
three horror films of vastly different qualities that are just cut and dry, easy to describe yeah. as okay, good, or in my case, I think it's still decently really good, and dog shit. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, I still enjoy the series enough. I am going to give those... I will probably, yeah, check out the other ones. We'll probably do the trilogy at some point, because, you know... Man, I hope they don't come out with the fourth one before we have a chance to do that, and then we can't do it anymore. I'm going to call Simon. I'm going to make sure. (laughs) Listen, Simon. You hold off. you got to hold off a year, Yeah. so it makes us not look bad. Yeah. And then you can do a fourth one, and then we'll do a frequel. It's fine. (laughs) It's fine. Listen, Simon, I... We're willing to make that compromise for you, Simon. Listen, Simon Barrett, I am a big fan of The Guest. Genuinely, yeah, I like I like your I, I like your work. Uh, I'm glad you brought Dan Stevens into my life in some way, mm-hmm. shape, or form because I love that man as an actor. I will tell you though, I've also seen your dick, so please understand <laughs> right now, Simon. Just wait a year, <laughs> yeah, and keep it out of the the new one. Yes, yes, yes. Unless it's I mean, unless it's a a wild one. If it's like VHS 1842. I just I gotta know what that means. I don't know how you make that work. <laughs> a bunch of nineties kids time travel to the eighteen hundreds. I found with these their old, camcorder. Guys, we were told to get these VHS tests, but you find these reel to reels. Like <laughs> <laughs> or it's like it's called VHS Betamax. <laughs> like they just go to like like dead fucking <laughs> They make one that's just called celluloid from the thirties. <laughs> just footage from the no sound to it, just, uh, it's just raw black and white it's footage. V, it's called VHS laser disc. <laughs> it's like, yeah, my dad said there's a disc here that has like this cursed thing on it, but I found this big ass thing that's as big as a vinyl. It's kind of yeah. awkward. Wait, this is a movie, <laughs> and it's like a five hour horror film that's just unbearable. <laughs> right. Oh my god. Uh, but yeah. Happy Halloween, everybody. Mm-hmm. Hope you give VHS a try, not viral. Fuck that fucking film. But give the first two films a try, especially two. And, you know, enjoy the spooky season. I'm glad also we're doing this trilogy because the only other spooky film I've seen before these was <laughs> The Exorcist Believer. Yeah. And while I did not hate that film, I thought it was pretty okay. I don't want that to be the only horror film I've seen. <laughs> I, honestly, Andy, I, I was talking to Adam about this. I can't believe I'm saying this, but the more time that has passed that I've only seen very few horror films for October, uh-huh. the more excited I am for Five Nights at Freddy's. Oh, yeah. Genuinely excited. That honestly could be very uh, fun. It could be. And I also think it's funny. Is that funny. next week? It is next week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll be busy. Yeah. We can't. We can't. We can't. But someday. <laughs> so whenever, if that ever becomes the actual trilogy, it's apparently planned to be. Right. Isn't the first one like two and a half hours? Is the first film two and a half hours? I think I read that. I don't know if it's true. I can't wait to see the bite of 87. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, uh, also, if you have Peacock, I thought this was very funny. I just want to throw it out there. Um, But if you go on Peacock right now, it has like their spooky collection. Oh, yeah. And just to really show what kind of boring dystopia we're kind of (laughs) in, the the thumbnail has a bunch of fog, and it shows Frankenstein's monster, Uh the invisible man, Chucky, and Freddy Fazbear, <laughs> which is so fucking The funny. Avengers of horror characters. Which, if you went back to, like, 2013, 2014, 2014, I think, is when the first Freddy, Five Minutes of Freddy's film or, uh, game came out. Yeah. Uh, if you told me, hey, at one point, NBC Universal is going to put Freddy Fazbear on their fucking horror icons, <laughs> yeah. like Franken, like Boris Karloff, right, Frankenstein's right, right. monster, 
I would have not believed you. Wow. I would have also not believed you that like there's like 87 Five Nights at Freddy's games. There are. There's like there's like at most like I think 20. I thought there was. I thought it was just the one. Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah. Are you being serious right now? Yeah, I just thought it was everybody. They were like mods and stuff to oh. expand it and stuff. Andy, Andy, I will tell you. This is this is actually. I would love to see your reaction to this. I just need you to watch a lore video. I, it, Andy, it yeah. is fucking fascinating. I'm sure it is. To a point where it's like, how did a man that used to make Christian games <laughs> get to a point where he got so popular with this series that now this series has become almost as unbearably like twisty, timey wimey turntable yeah. than like any sci fi series that has lived for like 40 years? Interesting. <laughs> it is a hilarious. How insanely like silly and convoluted it has gotten, and the series is not even like a decade old. Yeah, and it's now getting a fucking film by NBC right, Universal right. and Blumhouse, which is doing incredibly well. I bet paying four hundred. Yeah, I bet paying four hundred million dollars <laughs> for, for, the for a franchise film that was yeah <laughs> dead on arrival. Oh my god! I mean, if anything, I think I, it made what it's made like or made its budget back opening weekend it probably did Um, it was like 30 million i think in the first few days and they probably won't bail on that trilogy unless it's like a you know a zero money situation again i if anything of all the exorcist believer stuff if we could talk about it uh, because i've always seen it you haven't no uh which is understandable because you're busy in that (laughs) (laughs) but with exorcist believer it does very much feel like David Gordon Green is a man who was asked to do this film, not because he had a great idea for The Exorcist, <laughs> yeah. but mainly because it, basically they came to him and said, listen, you've done such a great job with the Halloween trilogy. We're going to do The Exorcist whether you want to or not. Would you like to do something? Yeah. And he just kind of probably went, fine. I guess. And honestly, if when do you ever you watch Believer, you'll see that. <laughs> it feels like an I guess movie. It feels like a, well... If I'm not going to do it, I seriously don't know who else is going to do it. Yeah. And to be honest, when it comes to Exorcist, there's only one good sequel. So why the yeah. fuck would you even try to top, quote-unquote, top that? Let alone be a... Because I, I don't think it's sane that all the other sequels are bullshit, but it is kind of almost implying that it's a soft reboot. Like, the only films that matter are the first Exorcist and yeah. Believer. Yeah. Which, anytime you do that, is just... <laughs> sure. Yeah. But enough about Exorcist Believer... Thank you so much for listening. In terms of our next episode in November, keep posted on our social media. Yeah. Like like we said, we are both very busy in October. Andy's got a little thing called a wedding happening mm. later on. And so like he's got that. He's got a honeymoon. We're not going to push it. We're not going to make him stress out about <laughs> it. And even if I tried to do that, he would ignore me, which is understandable. Yeah. So. Sometime mid to late November, we'll, we'll oh, get yeah. an episode we'll, out. We'll get an episode out. And if... Again, if you follow our socials and you have ideas that you would like us to try, for sure, for hit us up. Absolutely, because again, we have a list. But call if, my home phone. <laughs> uh, send us a blank VHS tape that we can't play <laughs> because neither one of us have VHS playing right. VCRs. Um, but no, yeah. So tune in in the next coming month when we talk about you know on our socials what we're going to be doing next. And, you know, what we're going to be talking about probably we'll figure out at the same time Christmas stuff, too. Yeah. Because why not at this right. point? Because <laughs> if we're going to have one episode in November, we might as well figure out what we're going to do for Christmas. <laughs> right. But until then, I'm Logan Sowash. And I'm Andy Carr. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>